Oh, God has something extraordinary in store for us today. But before we delve into that, I want to invite all of you guys to take a trip with me. And don't you worry, you don't, you don't need a, a COVID passport, you don't need travel insurance for where we are going. I invite you to open your hearts and your minds as we imagine the upper room experience. And so travel back with me to old city Jerusalem as we picture what was happening for those 120 disciples in the upper room. Oh, there they were gathered together. 50 days after the Passover, assembled together in one accord, waiting in that in-between time, not sure of what the future held for them. Now, before his ascension, Jesus had told them not to leave Jerusalem, for they were going to receive a gift from his father. Oh, and not just any gift, the fire of the Holy Spirit. And God did just that on the day of Pentecost. As the disciples waited together, suddenly what sounded like a mighty wind rose up from the inside. And if we can imagine what it was like, I imagine that it caused the walls and the, and the roof to creak. I imagine that the windows in the building were rattling as the sound of rushing wind entered the space. But before they had time to assess what had happened, what looked like a fire uh, broke out around them. Uh, and the fire separated into individual flames. Uh, and it rained down upon them like a shower of sparks dropping from a firework. Oh, but oddly enough, the fire didn't burn anything as fire normally does. Instead, the tongues of fire rested upon them before vanishing from sight. Oh, and it was so unprecedented. It was something that they hadn't experienced before. So the Bible tells us that those that were there were amazed and others were perplexed and yet others were bewildered. How do you respond to something like that? Now the thing is that their, their fearless leader was gone. Surely Jesus would have known what to do. But this was new territory that they had to walk through on their own. Oh, beloved, I believe that we are walking through new territory as a church. And I believe that he's getting ready to release a fresh fire over us uh, for an incredible new assignment that he has for this house. Oh, but you and I have to know how to handle the fire. So could we talk a little bit today about how to handle fire? See, from childhood we're taught that fire is dangerous and it's deadly. Everyone from our grade school teachers to Smokey the Bear have told us that we can't play with fire, right? 
So when it's around, our natural reaction is to feel afraid, right? We've been conditioned to stay away from fire. Oh, but this, beloved, oh, this was not an earthly fire that the disciples were dealing with. It was the fire of the Spirit of God. It was not a fire from below. It was not created or could not be contained by man. It was the fire of revival that had come from the very throne room of heaven to fill humanity. Oh, this was not a run-of-the-mill fire they were dealing with. Oh, and with that holy fire, God baptized them with the power of the Holy Spirit and birthed something new. Jesus had completed his work on the earth, and now the church, the beautiful bride of Christ, was born to carry out his mission until the day that he returns. And as the fire rested upon the heads of the disciples that day, it set fire to their knowledge of God and turned into a, a passion that burned inside of them that sparked a worldwide movement. Oh, it was a holy fire that caused a, a spiritual awakening in the earth uh, and produced a harvest unlike anything they had ever seen before. Now you and I are still the beneficiaries of this Holy Ghost fire today. Oh, it's that fire that brings refinement and purification to our lives. It's the fire that allows us to speak in heavenly languages. It's the fire that gives rise to miracles and signs and wonders as the power of God touches creation. Hallelujah. It's a fire that's still burning today through those of us that are set ablaze for Jesus. Those that feel like they have to scream it from the mountains because God has been good to them. I don't know about you. I want to tell the whole world about my Jesus because he's been good to me. He's been compassionate. He's received me with open arms and he's loved me when I didn't even love myself. Hallelujah. And now, because he's left behind the Holy Spirit, we are never alone. So God's own spirit, the comforter, the counselor, the paraclete, walks with us wherever we go. Come on, that should make you excited today. That's what this day is all about. See, the Holy Spirit will never let us down. It's that Holy Spirit fire that picks us up when we're down. It's that Holy Spirit fire that emboldens us when we're afraid. It's that Holy Spirit fire that comforts us when we're hurting. It's that Holy Spirit fire that allows us to stand before the kingdom of darkness and say, demons, you gotta flee in the name of Jesus. Oh, it's that Holy Spirit fire that gives us power and authority as the 
church. Oh, a fire that's still burning amongst us today. Oh, does anybody here know a thing or two about Holy Spirit fire? Come on, give a praise offering to the Lord if you know what I'm talking about. So today, we're going to talk a little bit about how to handle the fire. And so we're going to dismantle what we think we know and relearn what to do in case of fire. And so if you're taking notes, that's the title of today's message, In Case of Fire. Because, beloved, I feel like we need to get prepared. I feel like we need to get some things ready. Because I believe that God is poised to release a fresh fire upon us today. See, I believe this is not just going to be a run-of-the-mill Sunday. I believe we're going to have an upper room experience up in here. Come on, how many believe that today? So we got to be ready for a mighty move of his presence. Hallelujah. Now to prepare for this mighty outpouring, there's a few things I want us to take note of. Number one, we need to remember that a Holy Spirit fire causes a breaking that brings breakthrough. Oh, I don't know if you heard me today. Uh, Holy Spirit fire causes a breaking uh, that brings breakthrough. Those of us that grew up in New York City remember seeing these old fireboxes around the city. And they didn't look exactly like this, but you guys get the idea. It was a time before cell phones when in case of fire, you can go and find these and press an alarm and it would signal to the fire department that there was an issue. Now we don't see as many of this throughout the city, but even if you go in different buildings, they have smaller versions of that right inside. And so you'll have an alarm and it's often covered with glass, right? And we know what to do. In case of fire, in case of emergency, you break the glass. See, beloved, before there could be a response to the fire, before we could let the world know that a fire was coming, before help was deployed, the very first thing that needed to happen was a breaking of the glass. Now the same goes uh, for the upper room experience. Uh, before the fire of the Holy Spirit could descend uh, on the disciples, uh, there were protective mechanisms inside of them that had to be broken. Think of everything that they endure leading up to this moment. They had seen their fearless leader brutally tortured and murdered in front of them. Their, their movement was splintered. Their spirits were broken. Perhaps discouragement was their cloak. But I believe that God had to break some things uh, in order to prepare them. Uh, he needed to break their pride and arrogance. Uh, he needed to break their self-reliance. Uh, there needed to be a breaking of old habits uh, and old ways of doing things. God had to dismantle the status quo to clear space for the holy fire. 
Oh, now we all want fire. We all want fire, but we got to understand that before the upper room experience, there was pain and there was brokenness. There was a breaking that needed to happen to open them up to receive the Holy Spirit. See, when we see the fire appear in scriptures, it's oftentimes after there has been a breaking experience amongst God's people. Before God appeared to Moses as a burning bush. Moses needed to have his breaking experience first, right? Before his Sinai mountaintop experience, there came Egyptian persecution and a near-death experience in the desert. Before God appeared to the people of Israel as a pillar of fire, he needed to break them away from their slavery mentality and their dependence on Egyptian masters. In the New Testament, before the work of the resurrection was done, there needed to be a, a tearing of the veil in the temple in order to give humanity direct access to God. Oh, even the greatest evangelist in the Bible, Paul, as smart as he was, as learned as he was, he needed to be blinded for three days as God broke those things inside of him that did not honor him to prepare him for this assignment that he had. And an infilling of the Holy Spirit. Oh, we need to understand today, beloved, that breaking is the precipice for breakthrough. Oh, I don't know if you caught that, but you need to write that down in your notebook because some of y'all are going through some breaking experiences and you need to remember that breaking is the precipice for breakthrough. Oh, that's how I know that something powerful is going to happen in this house. During this season of COVID, God has dismantled the very systems we've relied on for 70 years. And all of it has been disrupted. Why? Because he's getting ready to take us to another level. Hallelujah. So don't get discouraged. If you see things around you being dismantled, if you're feeling a breaking uh, happening in your life, because I want you to know that the ground is ready for the fire of revival to break out. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo. Press into your faith because there's a holy fire coming. There is a holy fire coming. Hallelujah. So after the breaking takes place, beloved, the second thing we need to understand is that Holy Spirit fire will activate what's inside of you. Because when you break what's on the outside, after you clear the glass and you clear the shards inside, you'll see something that God can activate. And so oftentimes when you see these fireboxes and you see that the glass is broken, what does it tell you? It tells you that fire is nearby. 
And so inside, now you can see that there's a, there's a lever, there's a switch that you can press to activate an alarm that would make noise, that would attract attention and signal that help is on the way. And I believe that's what happened in the upper room, beloved. See, the tongues of fire that descended down didn't just rest upon the disciples. They were filled. It was a beautiful visual manifestation of what was being activated inside of them. And so their mouths... Their mouths became the alarm that God sounded to let them know that help was on the way. Because now they can share the good news of the gospel in the heart languages of the people. And as the fire of the Holy Spirit filled them, Oh, there was a passion and there was a boldness that rose from inside of them that could not be hidden. And out of that internal activation, miraculous things happened. Right after this, Peter... Peter, who we remember just a few weeks before, had denied Jesus, preaches his very first sermon, and there, 3,000 people came to faith in the Lord. Very first sermon, because he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And after that, beloved, as we continue to read of the, the journeys of the early church, we see that their ministry exploded. Oh, the sick were healed. People were delivered from demonic oppression. Lives were transformed. Broken systems were dismantled. Something powerful was happening amongst the people. Oh, but the good news is, it didn't stop there. That same spirit is at work amongst us today. Hallelujah. And I believe, oh, I believe that he is waiting to fill us afresh so that what happened in the upper room would not be a foreign experience. It would not be a distant story that we read about in the scriptures, but it would become our lived reality every single day. We have to be filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit that it feel like a fire shuddered up in our bones so that everywhere we go, people could see the evidence of that fire. People could feel the evidence of that fire. People could smell the evidence of that fire, that they know that we are a spirit-filled people on fire for God. Hallelujah. So the Holy Ghost fire should activate something inside of you, beloved. But finally, if we want to be ready for the Holy Ghost fire of Pentecost, there's one more thing we need to be ready to do. We need to be ready to move. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got to be ready to move. Oh, you have to be ready to move. Ooh. 
See, Holy Spirit fire requires us to exit the building or we will die. Did you hear me? We have to exit the building or we will die. See, once the glass is broken, once the alarm is activated, there's no lollygagging, there's no waiting around. We need to have an urgency about us and we need to go. We cannot stay in the place of fire because one of two things will happen. Either we'll end up stifling the fire or the fire will end up stifling us. See, we can stifle Holy Spirit fire by trying to control it. We put box, we put God into this neat box of what we think he can do, and we put handcuffs on him, and we tell him what he can and cannot do. And so that fire, little by little, gets deprived of the oxygen it needs to flourish. We need to take God out of the box and allow the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do in who he he wants to do it when he wants to do it. Hallelujah. Oh, let's take God out of the box. You're there arguing with God, saying, God, you can't use me. I'm too young. God, you can't use me. I'm too old. God, you can't use me. I don't have this and I don't have that. God doesn't care about those things. He's going to use you when he's ready to use you. How he's ready to use you. Stop trying to control God. Got to stop trying to control God. God is God. We are not God. The second thing that happens is that the fire can stifle us. If we imprison ourselves inside the walls of this building, Think about it. Why did Jesus choose Pentecost as the day when he would pour out his spirit on the disciples? It was a feast of harvest. Ooh, so God poured out his spirit on this day in order to prepare the disciples for a great harvest in the field of the world. So Pentecost was never about staying in the upper room because the church would have died. Oh, they had to have the courage to step out. They had to leave their places of comfort and take their message to the nations. As a matter of fact, that was Jesus' last instructions to them. He said, go. Go and make disciples of nations. So this infilling was what they needed to complete their mission. See, we need to understand today, beloved, that to be filled with the Holy Spirit is not about our needs or our wants. Embracing the fire of the Holy Spirit means that we've been empowered for service. We've been commissioned to go out on God's behalf. See, a true overflow of the Holy Spirit sparks revival. 
And revival is not a private affair. It's a public reawakening of God's people. See, plural, God's people are reawakened to love on a broken world, to be a light in the darkness, to speak truth to power, to embrace the least, the last, and the lost. It is a public reawakening of God's people. Oh, so we can't be selfish with the fire of revival. It's about fanning the flames of faith in others. So that means that you and I have to have the courage to leave the building. Oh, we have to go. We have to share. Oh, we have to shout about the goodness of God. The movement that God envisioned cannot happen unless we start moving. A movement cannot happen unless we move. So it's not about coming here every Sunday, although we love you. You guys all look beautiful. We're glad to see you. But this right here is a refueling. This right here is, 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 is getting fed so that you can go out and feed others. This right here is about receiving an infilling of the Holy Spirit like water in a jar so that you can pour out that life-giving water to someone else. Hallelujah. Come on, put your hands together if you believe that today. Now, what often happens, unfortunately, is that we allow doubt to extinguish our fires. Remember, we've been conditioned in the natural to think that fire is bad. And so we allow doubt to come in and say, wow, an activation of the Holy Spirit, that's crazy. You see those crazy people speaking in tongues. You see them over there believing in signs and wonders. You see them praying about miracles that defy science and medicine. Don't they know that's not natural? Come on, you know you've heard that. Those crazy Pentecostals over there, look at them shouting for Jesus. The irony is that the Holy Spirit doesn't defy natural order, he restores it. Come on, somebody. <laughs> We're not meant to be sick. We're not meant to be bound. We're not meant to be in lack. So the miracles he does only reestablish the intended state of things because in the eyes of God, miracles are the norm. They're not the exception. Oh, it's the way he rolls. So let's stop allowing doubt. Let's stop allowing unbelievers to extinguish our fire. It is not natural. It is not natural to think that death is okay. That sickness is okay. That addiction is okay. That brokenness in our families is okay. So the miraculous things that God want, wants to do is to reestablish things the way that God intended for you, for your family, for our church, and for the community. Even on the day of Pentecost, if we look at what happened, 
The tongues of fire that fell were a reversal of the disruption that had taken place in Babel generations before. See, in Babel, God used language to divide the people because of their wicked intentions. Yet here on the day of Pentecost, uh, God uses language to unify them around the common mission in Jesus Christ. And as God's plan to restore humanity through Jesus Christ unfolded throughout the generations, oh, his Holy Spirit has served to empower and equip and embolden the ecclesia, the called out ones, the church, to become agents of change in the world. Because it is us that are supposed to be a light in the darkness. It is us that are supposed to bring hope and love and peace and compassion to a hurting world. And we need to understand today that that is the movement that we were named after. And if you believe what the Old Testament prophets did, that name indicates destiny and purpose, then our name points to a powerful destiny. Primitive Christian church, the church of the first century, is a, we're a people of great faith and a people of great power, and that is our destiny. We are to be a spirit-filled people whose prayer moves mountains. We are to be a spirit-filled people who can conquer giants with their bare hands. We are to be a spirit-filled people who find the miraculous when they gather together in one accord. Oh, we should be a spirit-filled people who take care of the needs of those that are hurting around them. Could we rise up and walk in our destiny today as primitive Christian church? Come on, put your hands together. Come on, put your hands together. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We know we weren't named haphazardly. We know it's not a coincidence, the name we were given. So today, my God, we say yes to that destiny. Oh, we are to be a spirit-filled people of boldness, of authority, of power. We are to be a people who can battle addiction and win. We are to be a people who can pray against cancer and see it disappear. Oh, we are to be a people who can cast out demons and they flee. We are to be a people so anointed and so saturated by the Spirit of God even our shadows uh, would deliver people. Come on. Do you believe that today? God is calling us to a new level. God is calling us uh, to a new place. Oh, but we got to leave our doubt in the past. And we have to walk in our destiny as a church. Hallelujah. Oh, God, reawaken this part of us today as we receive your Holy Spirit afresh. Hallelujah. Oh, beloved, the overflow didn't stay in the upper room. It 
left with the disciples and it's it's spanned generations it's crossed geographic boundaries uh, and it's sparked the revival that we can still be a part of today oh but we need to be ready we need to prepare we need to take this seriously so you guys heard what I said there's been a breaking that you've gone through because God was preparing you for this moment, this Kairos moment in your life. There's some things inside of you that he wants to activate that you didn't even know were there because they've been hidden by that protective mechanism you've had. But now God is exposing those things and he's going to activate some things that may seem strange to you. But don't extinguish what the fire of the Holy Spirit wants to do. And then we need to take that and have the courage to go. It can't stay here. God has called you to be an agent of change in your family, in your workplace, in your building, in your neighborhood. Ministry is not just about a title. Ministry is not about a platform or a microphone. It's about how we walk every day, loving God and loving people. Hallelujah. And spreading the fire of the Holy Spirit so that others might be set ablaze for Jesus. So I invite you today, part of the preparation process is to get your fire gear ready. And I'm not talking about this reflective get up, although hey. <laughs> I'm talking about the full armor of God, hallelujah. I'm talking about making sure that we're digging deeper in our spiritual disciplines, that we're praying and we're fasting and we're reading our word that will show us how to handle the fire. Secondly, we need to make sure that our faith is fueled up. Oh, because I believe that like the disciples, in this season, we're going to see some things and we're going to hear some things uh, that we've never experienced before. Some of you have never spoken the heavenly languages. I believe that God is going to activate that in you. Some of you guys have never, has never uh, engaged in spiritual warfare, and I believe that God is going to activate that inside of you. I believe that some of you guys have never seen uh, uh, the, the, the power of your prayers and prayers being answered. I believe that God is going to activate that inside of you. Oh, some of you guys have been hidden. Some of you guys have been waiting, and God is going to position you in this season in a place of influence because you will be his mouthpiece you will be his ambassador and you will be used by him in new ways but we gotta stop running from the fire Oh, we got to unlearn what the world has told us. The fire is not bad. The fire is not something we need to stay away from. We need to welcome the holy fire of revival today. That he can revive the miraculous in us. That he may empower us for explosive new growth in this house. And that we may have the courage 
to be his hands and feet, to be his agents of change, to spread the fire wherever we go. So I'm here to tell you today, beloved, there's a holy fire coming. Come on, somebody. There is a holy fire coming, and we need to pray that God prepare us as his fire falls afresh on us today. Lord, have your way. We are ready to walk in our destiny as primitive Christian church. Use us and do the miraculous today for your glory and your honor in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, stand to your feet and let out a praise to God and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We are ready for a mighty move of your fire today. Fill us afresh in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah.